0: Sup guys, this is for our new winter podcast for Meredith Church JHM on relationology. This is about connecting with your family and peers. For more info, please visit MaritusChurch.org slash JHM. Thanks. You like going to the same place, you like shopping at the same stores, you like maybe eating at the same use stuff in common. Now this is the thing. There are always complications with significant relationships. Don't be fooled. Complications happen. Even with parents. I love my mom. My mom still embarrasses me relentlessly to this day. At my wedding, she was embarrassing me because I'm her little boy. I'm her, she calls me her little peanut. I don't look like a peanut. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm the last thing that looks like I look. like I'm a gigantic person. I don't look like a peanut. I'm like I'm like the, a peanut tree. There are such a thing a peanut tree. Like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a wall of peanut butter. I'm not a peanut. But she refers to me her little peanut. My little peanut's getting married. But parents do embarrassing things sometimes, just like that. I was on my honeymoon and we were out to eat and I saw these parents. And this you tell me, watch the video and tell me what you would have done if you were their kid sitting at their table. And keep in mind, there's like a hundred people in this room. You're not gonna find it like that. Come on. Come on! Come on! Oh. Yeah. So these are these are oh, your sorry. parents uh, just eating like animals, it's so gross these, kids, these students, these junior high students Their kids were sitting there like mortified Like I can't believe my parents are doing this in front of people And it was so gross And I was, I was sitting right there recording it Just like this, like looking at them like This is awesome, I'm laughing at them they, I think they want to just pass out But, you know, embarrassment happens. You know, boyfriend-girlfriend relationships. This is a real thing, all right? The day is going to come, maybe very soon for some of these, hopefully some of these sixth graders just crossing their fingers, hopefully I get a girl someday. And the thing will happen. This is what will happen. You have this picture in your head of what relationships should look like, and maybe for you it looks something like this. Just this uh, loving-looking couple, and they're the kids, and he's staring off into space like, I can't believe a pretty girl puts her arms around. And he probably put cologne on. And smells really good. Now this is the thing. This is the picture of what we look and want in relationships. We want this thing that' just to be all put together and clean. And we don't want complication. We don't want messiness. Uh, we want things to be simple and enjoyable and happy. And this is the thing. It's not always like that. It's not always simple and happy and fun and exciting. Sometimes it's actually kind of messy. You know, I've been broken up with before. Who's, been, who's, been, who's dated someone and been broken up with? Who wants to be honest, okay? Students are being honest, all right? Any adults in here want to be honest? All right, Kurt is manning up. He's being honest. Gabe, you want to be honest here? You've been broken up. And this is the worst thing to hear when being broken up with, okay? What do you think is the number one worst breakup line? It's not me. It's you. Yeah, it's not you, it's me. Exactly. It's not you, it's me. I, I just can't do this. I just, I, I. It's not you. You're great. But really, it is. But really, it is you. Because if you were great, they'd still be with you. And I've been broken. And it's heartbreaking sometimes. But this is, this is, this is the deal, though. While that's such a difficult line to hear when being broken up with, what if that was true? What if it actually really was you? What if in broken relationships. What if in these fractures and bruises that are left between people, what if you do carry some of the burden of that? What if it really is you? Wait, What if it really isn't all them, it is you? You know, that was a really hard thing for me to think about. Because I never want to blame myself. You know, I, who, who likes to sit there and just throw blame on themselves? That's not cool. It makes me feel bad. And, and we, as we as people think, like, our feelings matter, right? Our feelings matter to somebody. They matter most of all to me. Who sits there and makes a list of all the things that they're terrible at? Does anyone ever do that? Like, no, seriously. Anyone ever sit in their room and like, well... Well, you know, I smell really bad. I have terrible odor. Let's see. Uh, I have a terrible sense of style. I mean, look what I'm wearing. Uh, I am a terrible cook. Uh, I can't even uh, bake bread or whatever that means. I don't even know what that means. I, and no one makes lists of the things they're bad at. We like, to, we like to emphasize the things we're good at, the things that maybe we're better than everyone else at. And we think of these things, and we take them into relationships, and this is what ends up happening. We get this false inflated sense of self that gives birth to selfishness. And selfishness, when left unchecked, will run rampant in your relationships. And I see this all the time, even in my own life. I see circumstances that come up where the first thing that I think about is not the other person. The first thing I think about is me. I think of how this situation is going to affect my reputation in school. How is this going to affect my social status with my friends and where, who I hang out with? Am I going to lose Instagram followers because of this thing that this person is saying to me? Oh, God forbid that happen. You know, I look at my Instagram feed, and I look at it, and I'm like, man, if I don't get 50, because I have enough followers now, if I don't get 50 likes on a photo, I actually do feel bad. And I know that sounds so stupid, because it, because it is dumb. It is dumb, because it's selfishness. That's putting stuff out there to the world and saying, the only way I can feel valuable is if you tell me that I am. And I don't just want that. I don't just, I'm not just looking for that actively. I actually need that. And you might think to yourself, that's not me. I'm not a selfish person. Well, hold on a second. Before you decide that this doesn't apply to you, I want you to listen with me and what the Bible has to say about it. Because this is, and we're not going to put it up yet, but I hear, listen. This idea of selfishness is not a new idea. This this concept that selfishness when left unchecked will wreak havoc on your relationships is not a new thing. It's actually a really old thing. As far back as the beginning of of Adam and Eve and when they were there in the garden, when they chose selfishness, they chose themselves and what they wanted instead of choosing God and what he wanted. You know, such a small limitation they got in Genesis. All they had to do was not eat of one tree. That's all they had to do. But they were given this offer, this idea that you can be like God. You can do the things that he can do. He doesn't want you to eat of it because he wants to keep the power for himself. And they started thinking about this, and the selfishness creeped in. And what they could be and the power they could have, it infected them. So they ate of this tree, and sin crept into the world. Now, since that, we are now a product of, of a situation that we did not cause, but that is real. Sin crept into the world, and now we have this thing that we deal with on a regular basis called selfishness to where it affects our relationships. You know, in Romans, where we're going to be spending time today, Paul, the writer of Romans, is writing to this church because in this church, there is an issue relationships are a huge issue. People are not getting along. People are looking out for themselves instead of looking out for others. People are more interested in what I can do and what God is doing for me than they are about what God is doing in and through others. They're missing the miracle of what God is doing in other people because they're so focused on themselves. Now that may be none of you in here, but going out on a limb that that makes sense to some of you. I really want to look at what Paul had to say in Romans. Now, he's writing this to a church in Rome. They thought it was very important to discuss this openly. So if you have your Bible, open it up to Romans chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible and you want one, I'll give you one at the end of service. We have a stack of them. I think all truth comes from God's word, and I'd love to give you a copy of it. This is what it says. This is Paul talking. To those who live according to the flesh, have their minds set, On what the flesh desires. This is what he's saying. There are those of you in this community, because he's writing this to a church community not unlike our own, filled with people who meet on a weekly basis and hang out together and learn together. So, this is what he's saying. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on flesh desires. Their mind is set on themselves. Their mind is set on them, what they can do, what God can give them, what's important to them. They're missing out on what God is doing through others because they're focused on themselves. That may apply to none of you, but it may apply to some of you. Sometimes, including me, I miss this. I'm so distracted by what God's doing in my life. And, and how important it is to me that he keeps blessing me and giving me to him. You know, I, I remember saying grace. I say grace all the time before I eat. Dear God, thanks for this food. Thanks for blessing me today. Thanks for all the stuff you give me. And, and there's the thing. I'm missing out because of that with all the things God is doing through others. And seeing what God is doing through others. So he continues but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So he's saying, God has a different agenda than you. There's your agenda, which is you, 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 selfishness. And that's not your fault, it's because of sin. And I really want you to hear this, because I don't want anyone's feelings getting hurt. And I know it's easy for it to do with a message like this. I don't want anyone walking away and be like, Justin thinks I'm selfish, and then you cry, and then I get an email from your parents. I don't want that, Okay. We're all, including me, including Diane Sherrill, including all the leaders, have an issue and it's sin. It was not by our own choice. It was given to us by the choices of others. But this is the deal. God says that that is the sin agenda, to separate you from people and relationships through selfishness. I, God, have a different agenda. It is people. I care about people. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit, with the things that matter to me, the things that are important to me, with the Spirit, have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. People who live in the Spirit, people who live with God to be like God, to be like Jesus, have their mind set, not on the things that are important to them, but on the things that are important to me. And God says the things that are important to me are other people. And that's very different. You know, It's very different from what we usually hear. Now, this is what it says about self-centeredness. I want you to all understand this. We're broken by sin, no fault of our own. This is what it says in the next verse. Verse number six. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's laws, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. God. Because this is what happens. When hurt and woundedness takes place in our life, we go one of two very distinct directions. And you will get this because you'll see either maybe some of your selfies, I saw myself in some of this, or you'll see other people and maybe the way they've dealt with relationships, people at school or on your sports team, people you hang out with that maybe there's been a relationship fracture there and maybe you're going to get a little peek behind the curtain of why that took place. You know, when I uh, I look at two kind of big different ways that the world uh, and Christians deal with things like this. Uh, one big way the world deals with this kind of deal, uh, kind of uh, woundedness and brokenness that happen, they pursue affirmation from others. If you are someone that pursues affirmation from others beyond everything else, you may have a selfishness issue in your life that is impacting and affecting your relationships. Some people in the world, when they have situations like this, feel that it's important to just maybe buy more stuff. See, if I have more things and prettier things and nicer things, then more people will like me, right? And that's selfishness. That's taking the things that are in the world and saying, if I have more of it, people will like me more. And it's all focused on you. It's not focused on them. And when it doesn't work, you still feel lonely and you still feel wounded. You know, some people surround themselves with others who will build them up, no matter who they are. No matter if they're the right friends or the wrong friends. Girls, no matter if the guys you surround yourself with want more from you than just friendship. Boys, it doesn't matter if the guys you surround yourself with want to do stuff that you don't want to do, whether it be drinking drugs, smoking, who... You will surround yourself with them because all you want is someone to affirm you, someone to say you're great, someone to like the things you're doing. So you might be willing to negotiate the things that matter to you most in order to have those friends. That might be a symptom that you have selfishness in your life that's affecting the way you have relationships. You know, another way that people do it, and I actually see this all the time, uh, people will look at themselves and they'll actually get depressed. And this is the reason why. They'll look at themselves and feel that their value in the world, their value to people and to God, is based solely on. Others liking and affirming and following them and being their friends. That if they don't have those friendships, if they don't have people who are always on their team and always rooting for you and always all about them and always hanging out with them and always liking their status, they might start to feel, and I see it a lot, that they're not valuable. They replace the value that God gives us with the, re- with the value they seek from people. I see it all the time and it's so, it's so hurtful because this selfishness, this focus on me mentality, this what I want and what I can get and, and, and just give it to me and make it clear to me how I can be accepted by people takes the place of what God came here to do. You know, Christians deal with it very differently, hopefully. You know, the hope for us is that we don't live for ourselves. You know, Paul said, don't live for you, live for the Spirit. Live for what the Spirit is doing. If you're living in the Spirit, this is the easiest way to tell. If you call yourself a Christian and you're living in the Spirit, the things that matter to you are the same things that matter to God. People matter to God. Healthy relationships matter to God. Loving one another, encouraging each other, not seeking all the encouragement for yourself, but giving it to others, sending it out. That matters to God. So we say that living for Jesus is the most important thing, that it's all about him, it's not about us, and by accomplishing those goals, by doing that, we're actually getting the chance to partner with him in what he's already doing. Man, I love partnering with God in what he's doing. I get the chance to see it all the time. Uh, You know, just getting married, this is so cool. Because one of the things we did in our marriage counseling when we were getting married is, is look at each other and really make a list of all the things that we see God doing in the other person's life. So I get to make a list of the things I see God doing in Brittany's life, and she made a list of the things she saw God doing in my life. Now listen, maybe you have done this with your friends. Maybe you haven't made a list, but maybe you've done it in some way. Maybe you've looked at your friends and like, man, that guy, that girl is living for Jesus. Look at what God's doing in their life. Man, we went to a serve project the other day, And they were out there serving homeless people. They weren't concerned with what they were wearing or what they were doing. They weren't concerned with any of those things. They were concerned with serving people. Maybe I should go tell them that. Maybe I should go encourage them. You get to partner in what God's already doing in the lives of people. That is what's important to him. You know, 2 Corinthians says it this way. Paul says, writing to them, uh, And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we no longer do so. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. You know what's so good about that? It's really like a wake-up call to me. See, sometimes you will be around someone, you'll have friends, and all of a sudden you realize this person that you're friends with is, in fact, a very selfish person. See, not only are they selfish, you're probably looking at yourself thinking, well, they probably think I'm pretty selfish too. And this is the worst part of it all. You'll look at them and look at yourself and you'll decide that my friend's selfishness is way worse than mine. So they got a much better end of the deal in this friendship. I mean, I'm not that, they're way more selfish than me. I'm kind of selfish, I'm a little selfish, but I'm not that selfish. They're super selfish. If they only knew how selfish they were, they would definitely change what they're doing because it is hurting my feelings. And we start to think that way. And we think so much about what they're doing and very little about what we're doing, but this is really the truth. You start to believe that your woundedness is is the fundamental problem in your relationships. So your woundedness is fundamental. If only people understood my woundedness as a person. I mean, I'm a, I'm a sinner, right? I can't control this stuff. I'm a selfish person. I should get out of jail free card for this. If only people understood my woundedness, they would not be giving me such a hard time. If my parents understood how difficult it is being a junior hire, they would not. I have homework to do. If They, they haven't done homework in 40 years. If they understood how difficult it was, they would cut me a break. They would give me some slack. But this is the truth. The reality is that your selfishness is more fundamental to your woundedness. That you, unlike anyone else, have complete access to your selfishness and total responsibility to it. You know, there's a story... This truck that was driving down the road—it uh, was filled with like just tons of like uh, ping pong balls, I think, or something. It was totally wild. Driving down the road, going over this bridge, and all of a sudden, while it's going over this bridge, it was, was kind of like midday. The bridge breaks, and the truck falls over, and all these ping pong balls go flying everywhere all over the street. Imagine how cool that would be. So I would give a ping pong paddle. I'd be going after it. It'd be so much fun. It'd be, it would really be the coolest thing ever. I'm going to start praying for that to happen because it would be so exciting. Now, a lot of people might look at this bus driver and say, you "Why did you do that?" Why why did you drive over that bridge? That bridge was not safe. You should not have done that. Now the truth is, it wasn't the bus driver's fault that the bridge broke. The the bus driver just exposed what was already there. There was already cracks in in the road. The bridge was already falling apart. The bus driver, all he did was expose the cracks that were already present in that road. This is the deal. Relationships don't make you weak and don't make you selfish. It just exposes the selfishness that's already there. If you've ever been in a relationship with someone, which, by the way, everyone in this room has, they either have a brother or a sister, they have a mom or a dad, they have friends at school or a boyfriend in Brooklyn, uh, they have someone, and this is the deal, your relationship with those people, whether it be parents or teachers or friends at school, they don't give evidence to your weakness. It actually, through those relationships, show that the selfishness of you has always been there. But this is what's so good. Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't leave us in that. He didn't leave us in that selfishness. He didn't give us responsibility over other people's selfishness. He didn't say to you, hey, 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 you, you, you. This is, you. you gotta fix this for your friends. You need to go out there and find people who are selfish and you gotta cure them of their selfishness. You know, it's your responsibility. If you're not doing it, then you're doing something wrong and you need to get on the same page. You gotta figure this out. No, no, no. He said that your selfishness you have responsibility for it. You own it. You and you alone. So when you look in the mirror and you say, yes, I get it. I am a se- My relationships have proven that I am a selfish person. God gave you the power to fix it. And he said, you don't have to do it alone. This isn't all on you. I'm actually going to walk through you with it and help you do it. How freeing is that? Students, there's freedom there. There's freedom in knowing that it's not all on you to figure it out yourself. There's freedom in knowing that you don't have to figure it out for your friends and your parents and the people you're dating and eventually the person you're married to. You know, me and Brittany just moved in together, obviously, because we got married. I know, we share a bed. It's true! What, do your parents sleep in separate rooms? It's true. We're married. But this is the thing. The day we got back from our honeymoon, we went to her parents' house, okay? And we loaded up all her last things. Now, keep in mind, I was to- I'm still totally in love, by the way. But, I mean, it was like nine days into being married. So I'm like cloud nine, totally in love. I look at her, and I just st- still see my bride standing there in her dress. Like, oh, it just brings tears. It brought tears to my eyes when I saw her walking down the aisle. She's so beautiful. And I still see this. And we went to her parents' house to get all her last things and then drive to my house uh, or our house now that we were going to drop it all off and organize it. Now, I thought there was going to be a few things. And I'm a guy. I don't own a lot of stuff. I don't know about you guys. I don't own a ton of stuff. Girls, I'm sorry. You own a ton of stuff, okay? Uh, it's just the truth, okay? So we got all her shoes together. We got all her clothes together. Uh, we got all her, like, knick-knacky things. And we pack out, like, this huge Yukon SUV. It's gigantic. And it's just, it's filled from front... I'm I'm barely sitting, I'm like cramped against like a bunch of pink Victoria's Secret bags filled with like shoes, I can barely, I'm like against the window, and we get to the house, we unload all of it, and we finally get into the house, and I'm thinking, okay, we'll just leave this, she'll take care of it another day, but no, 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 we got to take care of it today, because she's a planner organizer, I'm not a planner organizer, I'm a destruction implosion, okay, I'm just like whatever, like she's getting back today from fourth and and fifth grade winter camp, and the place is totally destroyed, she is going to kill me. And that's true, I'm totally a mess. So we get all this stuff, we move it in, and it's laying there all over the floor. And she tells me, her loving husband, she looks at me and says, hey, we got we to gotta organize this. You have to help me. I have to help you? No, 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 you don't understand. I just got home. Like, I just got here. I want to kick up my feet and watch sports. Like, I want to take it easy. You don't understand. I need me time. I'm important to me. No, 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 you don't get it. If you, oh my gosh, Brittany, if you understood me, if you really got me, like I need time, me, 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 here, 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 and not about her. And my selfishness has just shown itself because my relationship has given evidence to my selfishness. And it happened. And I caught myself doing it. And I said to myself, man, is this the kind of husband I want to be? Is this the kind of friend I want to be to people I know? Man, did I grow up as a student being this way? Did I grow up as a student being selfish and concerned with myself? Did I never have the opportunity to learn that I have total access to my selfishness? And if left unchecked, it will wreak havoc on my relationships. Did I grow up not knowing that? You know, this is what it says in Romans 16, I'm going to, or chapter 8, verse 16. I'm going to read it for you. The Spirit testifies... With his spirit, that we are children of God. Now, if we are children of God, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering, in order that me, we may also share in his glory. Only Jesus can heal these things. And this isn't some closed Facebook group you can never be a part of with all the cool people. Jesus is saying, this is open stuff. I want you to come follow me. I know there's woundedness. I know there's brokenness. I actually know you're all selfish too. But guess what? That does not take you off the list of the people that I love and the people I want to have community with. So as you work through this, I'm going to be here. That's what Jesus is saying. You get to be co-heirs with him. You get to share in his stuff. You don't have to do it alone. This isn't a journey you do by yourself. You do it with him. But it's a journey we all have to go on. You know, owning that, owning your selfishness, owning the fact that if you're honest with yourself, and really think about this, if you're honest with yourself, you can probably think of one relationship, maybe two relationships, maybe more, that have been broken and fractured by selfishness. And while it's so easy to point the finger and be like, you, 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 you guys are doing this, what, what you guys are doing to me. No, no, no. Look in the mirror and see you selfishness, what you're you're living out in your relationships, the selfishness that you're walking through on a daily basis, the selfishness that is causing roadblocks between you and your friends, or selfishness that have left a field of mines that have already been exploded and that have destroyed relationships in front of your eyes. Jesus is telling you this that your selfishness does not exclude you from his kingdom. He wants you to be heirs with him. He wants you to walk alongside him and do this together. So he gave us that option. He gave us the option to believe in him, to put our faith in him, and to be a totally new person in the way we think, the way we live, that we're not concerned with the flesh or the world, but we're actually concerned with the spirit and the things of God. If you have never decided that, if you have never said to yourself and committed That I want my thinking to change. I want the way I do my relationships to change. I don't want selfishness being the thing that rules my relationships. I want my relationship with God and partnering in what he's doing in the lives of other people. I want that to be the thing that defines me. Well, I'm going to give you an opportunity to really think about that right now. Uh, Is Jason in here? He's not. Let's just throw in some music. This is what we're going to do throw on some music and I want you to just hear these last words. I want everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes and I want you to think about this one point. Has my selfishness destroyed some of my relationships? Has my selfishness destroyed some of my relationships? Now, if you're answering yes to that, just keep your heads down, your eyes closed. If you're answering yes to that, Do You want that to change. And you might think that's such an easy question. You might think, well, everyone in the room is going to say, I want that to change. But that's not true. Because you are the ones who have total access and responsibility to your selfishness. You and you alone. I will never, as your pastor, be able to bear the weight of your selfishness for you. Only you can do this. Do you want to walk with God through this? Do you want him to be the one that changes the way you think? You want to look at people the way God looks at people and you want to celebrate people and thank people and be joyed for people the way God is joyed for people or do you want all the focus to still be on you? Your selfishness has the ability to destroy relationships. I'm going to pray. And I want you guys to think in just a moment I'm going to give you just a time of silence to think about this and then we're going to wrap up. Dear Heavenly Father thank you for these students. Thank you for their willingness to come and hear a lesson they didn't know what they were in store for today and this lesson was a hard, hard teaching. And maybe it was hard for some people to hear because it's about them it's not about other people it's all about them and what God's doing in their life. Lord give us a couple seconds right now just to think on relationships. Is our selfishness affecting them? Are we willing to let you help us out of that? Are we willing to partner with you out of our selfishness, out of the way that we think, or at least the way the world says we should think? Are we ready to look at things through your eyes? Let's just think on that for a couple seconds. Father, selfishness changes relationships and you give us total access to ours. Let us change the way we think. Let us focus on you and let us, let us love people the way you did. Thank you for giving us a chance to hear from your word. Let's have a great week. Bless those around us. Bless those we're in relationships with. And if there's brokenness there, let us go have the guts to fix it this week. Put our selfishness aside. We pray all of this in your name. Amen. Guys, I love you all very much. I'll see you in a couple weeks after winter camp.